I love classes where people teach stuff, but nobody is putting a dick in an ass in, 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 a, in a class, you know? Thank you for joining us for another episode of On the Horizon, a podcast about what's on the horizon for sex workers and how to navigate it. I'm Jesse Sage, and you can find me on Twitter at sapiotextual and at jessiesage.com. And I am Melrose Michaels, and you can find me at Melrose Michaels on social and at melrosemichaels.com. Also, just as a reminder, if you're joining the podcast um, on Apple, please leave us a five-star rating and review us. It really helps us grow as a podcast and better share information from our guests to the sex work community as a whole. Absolutely. And last but not least, if you want to support the podcast, please go to anchor.fm forward slash horizon spelled W-H-O-R-I-Z-O-N to become a premium subscriber on the podcast, which unlocks you two bonus episodes each month on the 8th and 22nd between our regularly scheduled episodes. And we'll give you access to tons of exclusive footage of ourselves and our guests. Loomis is free and affordable ads and social networks without the anti-sex work rhetoric. Assembly 4 is a team of sex workers and technologists from Melbourne, Australia, aiming to bring back free and fair advertising and social spaces to the sex work community. They also give back to organizations based in harm reduction, sex work, and education. Stepping away from the clunky design of traditional platforms, their two products, Tris.link and Sweater.at, are refreshing and well-needed changes in both presentation and mission. Both are free to join and open to all. In the words of an A4 user, from the policies to the language to the advice and tips, it makes such a big difference to feel encouraged and supported instead of policed. Check out their website, assembly4.com, for the word, not the number, for more info. All right. Welcome back. Today, we are going to be talking about neurodiversity and disability in the sex work community. We mm-hmm. have really great guests. We have Go Ask Alex, Body by Blunt, and Honey Daniels to talk to us about their experiences in the sex industry. Yeah, this episode and talking to these guests was super, super enlightening. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that really came up for me was that you know, when I'm running sex work CEO and I'm running these platforms, I am talking to sex workers Mm -hmm. and I'm giving advice on how to be more successful in sex work and and to branch outside of, you know, just sex work and into mainstream. Mm -hmm. But I have never once addressed nor spoke to sex workers with disabilities. Yeah. And that's a problem. And that was definitely brought to my attention (laughs) this week. And, you know, it's just because I'm learning though. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, And that's, I think that's what's great about having guests on like this is like, it makes me better at the things I'm trying to accomplish for our space, Mm -hmm. which is so needed. The conversations are so needed. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really interesting to me because I feel like um, I um am not disabled but i have two kids who are um and i have a husband who was sick and um part of the reason that i've been in sex work is the same reason that or is a similar reason that mm-hmm. a lot of people have been in sex work which is that like conventional employment just wasn't going to work for me and yeah. it wasn't going to work for me because i had two kids that i really needed to be there for I had a husband i really needed to be that really needed me to be there for him and um, there just wasn't resources to care for them in the way that they needed to be cared for. So one of my kids is out of the house now, but the other one is um, is little still. And especially during the pandemic, like I'm not actually sure what we would have 
done. Like there were no schools that were open for him. He went to five different schools before somebody would take him. He's autistic um, and he's nonverbal autistic. And there was just because school was so, um, so many schools were closed and because he's nonverbal, he can't do, um, you know, um, virtual school. Mm -hmm. Um, They're just weren't options for him and the fact that like I can do work from home I can work on a really flexible schedule like I don't honestly I have no idea like how we could have possibly like survived if I wasn't in sex work and I feel like a lot of sex workers um are coming in because they also can't work conventional jobs because either like me, they're caretakers or they have disabilities or they're neurodivergent. And so the workforce isn't set up for them or, you know, all sorts of reasons. And so I feel like even though like um, people with disabilities are like so overrepresented in sex work, it's not something that gets like, and as much attention as it should get. I agree. I agree. And I think that this episode will at least highlight that and educate on that. Mm-hmm. Because if you aren't neurodivergent or you don't have a disability, you are living life through this very narrow view that you're not considering, especially yeah. if, you, if your disability isn't outward and on display, mm-hmm. which is something like Go Ask Alex really talks about, Yeah. Um, which is, it has a whole nother facet associated yeah. with it. Mm-hmm. So I think this will be enlightening to say the least and extremely educational. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I think came up, too, is the fact that, like, many of our, our clients and our fans and the people who buy our content are also have also have disabilities. Yeah. And um, being, like, represented by the performers that they're watching, by the sex workers that yeah. they hire, I think is really um, – it's important to recognize that there are disabled sex workers. It's also important to recognize that our fans and clients are – there's also – are represented by a lot of disabled people. And so I feel like um, taking disability into consideration whenever we, I don't, let me say it this way more directly. We can't talk about sex work without talking about disability. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Disability issues are sex worker issues. And I think, and vice versa. And Mm -hmm. I think that it's really, really important to recognize that. Absolutely. You want to just dive in? Yeah, let's do it. Let's go. Go Ask Alex is an adult model, on-screen performer, and sex educator with the distinction of being the industry's first ever ostomate since receiving a life-changing surgery in 2019. The Auburn Hair Canada native has since taken the opportunity to use her high-profile platform to advocate for disabled and underrepresented bodies in adult media. Welcome, Go Ask Alex. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm tired. I am uh, <laughs> working all the time. But other than that, I'm good. I'm good. I saw just you, slugging through. you just had a article come out. Yeah, tell us a little. Well, actually, introduce yourself to our audience. And then tell us a little yes, bit about the right. article you just wrote. Yeah, definitely. I'll do that. Um, I'm Go Ask Alex. I'm Alex. Um, I'm an adult performer. uh, And I'm also an advocate for the representation of disabled bodies in pornography and in media. Uh, As I have a disability, I have an ileostomy, which is a permanent medical device. And my passion is um, speaking about and working to promote, like I said, that representation of underrepresented bodies in pornography. So that's, yeah, yeah. that's who I am. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. And you like, um, you got an ostomy while you were working full time. That's correct. Yeah. I, so I was a sex worker for about six years prior to having the um, colectomy surgery that really changed my life and um, that that 
that ended with me having an ileostomy, the, the ostomy you were talking about. Um, so I have experience in sex work pre-disability and also post-disability. And, and I, yeah, I have, I've kind of seen the differences in that. So, yeah, yeah. 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 So tell us a little bit about the article you just wrote. Yes. Um, just to clarify, you mean for Lust Scene? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I was just published on Lust Scene. Um, that's um, <clears throat> a publication run by Erica Lust. And uh, for that piece, I wrote about my experience with sex education, or I would probably rather say the lack of sex mm-hmm. education for people like myself who are coming out of surgery and transitioning to life with a new disability or medical device. And mm-hmm really how disappointing it was to be handed that brochure with really no information on like practical sex education or advice. Um, So I wrote a little bit about what it was like for me to, on my own, discover my new sexuality and my new body and, and what I wish had been provided for me at the hospital. Yeah, I thought that that was really powerful. I read the piece and one of the things that I like I personally like resonated with because of like watching my partner go through this is like how or something not the same thing as you but like going through uh, an illness and having it impact sexuality is like how little like doctors were actually concerned about <laughs> your sex mm-hmm. life post yeah. that they're like you're still alive that's great and you're yeah. like yeah but <laughs> what next yeah I still yeah. need to live in this body that's like been very much like impacted by this and you know I thought it was interesting you were talking about how like the placement of an ostomy may like impact like things I hadn't even thought about even though like mm-hmm. I know you like I hadn't thought like if it's lower, like, is it impacting like access to your genitals? <laughs> like, yeah. Things yeah, like that, yeah, exactly. But, yeah. Yeah. No, that is something that, um, that I didn't, I wasn't really able to consider. I mean, you go into an experience like this, um, in such a state of emergency and, mm-hmm. and fear, uh, when you're, when you're going through like a big medical change, like you said, and it, of course, it's something that is important to you, but in the moment, you might not be thinking to advocate for yourself because you just don't know, yeah. and you're just doing what you can to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, as you're recovering from that, like you said, the doctors are just happy that you're alive, mm-hmm. and you're kind of expected to just figure it out. And even in these brochures they give out that has a, a little section about, um, you know, sexuality and intimacy after mm-hmm. surgery, there isn't really any information aside from a recommendation to ask your doctor or nurse if you have questions and, you know, some encouraging statements, like you can still have a, um, a healthy relationships and intimacy and don't, you know, uh, wait as long as you need before you are intimate again. But it's like, there's no actual practical information about that. Right. 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 Of like, what exactly does that look like? And how do I do that? Yeah. What are the sexual implications of the surgery or the procedure or the device that I have? Like, like the placement of the ostomy, um, like you said. So do you feel those are really important with a, like a major medical change like that, that the focus is so much on like keeping their patient alive. The doctors might overlook quality of life, like after Mm -hmm. the fact. Mm hmm. Yeah, no, I definitely think so. I think that especially the way our hospitals are set up and medicine is set up, um, you're really in and out. And yeah. um, the focus is really on efficiency rather than having that um, 
that that patient care. Um, But even in situations where you have, you know, doctors with great bedside manner, like I had a great surgeon, he was very busy. So I couldn't see him very much. But he was a wonderful doctor. Um, I don't think that the doctor's it, at least in my case, really wanted to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think anybody was really volunteering to to have an awkward conversation about sexuality yeah. and yeah. and what that would actually look like and be like. Mm-hmm. Um, and and yeah, and even when I did advocate for myself and and bring that up or ask questions to my doctor, it was it was definitely awkward. It, yeah. it, he definitely it didn't seem like he'd been asked those questions before and. Yeah, that's unfortunate yeah. because you know that you're not going to want to ask more questions in that yeah. situation, right? So it's so interesting, like the way that when you actually like when you're a performer, when you use your body for your job and you use your body like in a sexual way for your job, how how important these things are, and how like mm-hmm. people don't like the medical doctors aren't like it's not even on their radar. Like yeah. I know for like. Our situation, like, um, you know, when my partner had uh, testicular cancer and had, like, surgery after that to, like, remove the tumor, like, one of the side effects of that was that he can't, like, externally ejaculate anymore. And we did a lot of porn. And I had a lot of people who, like, were buying our customs and was like, well, I don't understand what happened. Like, I wanted a cream pie. And I was like, well, you don't get a cream pie. Like, I'm sorry. Like, that's not possible anymore. Um, And when he would go to the... And, and, you know, he's like completely like just phased out of creating content. And part of it is this, like, you know, I can't meet the expectations mm-hmm. of like a male bodied person, like after my, um, surgery. And it's interesting because when he went to the doctor and was like, how do I get this back? Like, what could I do? They're like, if you want to have another baby, we could just like extract your semen. He's like, I don't, I don't want a baby. This is not <clears throat> problem yeah you know that they're just like medicalizing it and they're like well that's what you need semen for and he's like yeah okay but like what if i just want it yeah yeah that's not a problem that's not a medical problem yeah that's out of my that's out of my scope yeah Yeah. (laughs) i can't help you with that yeah yeah, i i guess one of the things that i'm thinking about as you're talking is that it's about like sex education and what they provide to you like when you go through something that's like you're super transformative like that but it's also about like how do we change a system so that we can like have the kind of conversations that we yeah. need to have for our own well-being? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And to make it um, the norm, like to, to have um, sex positivity uh, as part of our our medicine and, mm-hmm. and like obviously as everywhere in our society, but but especially with our doctors and our medicine in the places where we're the most vulnerable, yeah. um, exactly. having knowing that it's a conversation you can have and that it's a priority um, because it's, it's so, it, I mean, it's still so tab- taboo, I guess, in a way. And that's so limiting and it leaves so many people with unanswered questions that can lead to, you know, a lot of um, physical, physical problems, mm-hmm. but as well as like mm-hmm. mental, you know, m- mental health issues because you, you're dealing with this and you have no idea mm-hmm. it's what to do. You don't know. You, there's no one you can talk to. Like there's no, yeah, yeah it's really difficult. It's, it, you come from such a unique position because you came from doing sex work before this and then going through the surgery and changing your body this, this way. So like, what is that experience like to have to like relearn 
and like you know your business has changed your your life has changed what is that like mm-hmm. yeah yeah um there's definitely there's been a learning curve and it's still hard it's still really hard performing getting naked it I still have a lot of insecurity. Like, I don't think that's ever going to go away. Um, I look at the way my body used to look and, you know, I feel envy for, for that. And that's just, I think, going to be part of, um, of my life. Uh, and so when I'm performing, I do try to find, um, underwear and lingerie and things like that, that will maybe not, not hide my medical device, but just that makes me feel, you know, more yeah. comfortable. Yeah. Um, and also different positions that I can be in where I can, um, not really have it front and center, mm-hmm. but you know, it's something that's always sort of in the back of my mind. And for other people who are my fans, they might say they don't even notice it or it's not like, it's just there and it's not positive or negative. It's just there. Yeah. It doesn't, yeah. and it doesn't matter. And that's, and that is what I want. That is like my right. goal. But mm-hmm. you know, of course it's always like mentally, it's always there for me. It's like the thing that you're most insecure about on your body, but it's right there on camera and you can't hide it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's, that is difficult. Um, it definitely, yeah, it impacts me in that way. Yeah. I mean, I was telling Melrose about the calendar project that yes. you've done. If you want to talk a little bit about that, but that's amazing. Yeah. Like- Yeah, no, I'd love to. Um, So for two years, I did, uh, I called it the Disabled Sex Workers Calendar. And it was a art project that was uh, art and advocacy that was born from just my experience of realizing that there are so many sex workers with disabilities, chronic illness, Mm -hmm. uh, mental health, like that our industry is saturated with people who have these conditions um, and, and the representation of that is very low mm-hmm. in comparison to how many people are living with these things. So I decided I would make this art project and this advocacy project where I would feature, I guess I, my goal was 12 different performers mm-hmm. uh, in, a, in a 12-month calendar. And they would have boudoir photos or art, artistic nudes. And essentially just I would showcase these different different mm-hmm. body types and maybe a quote from each person in their social media um, to you know funnel and push new fans towards their work and right. mm-hmm. obviously give them a platform yeah. but also just to make people think a little bit about um, their preconceived notions about conventional beauty and sex and sex work and sort of just spark the idea that people with disabilities still have sex, still have pleasure, can right. still be sexy. The thing that um, and that so was the like idea cool about that is that like, when you think of like a calendar, like a fireman's calendar, mm-hmm. or like whatever, like all these different calendars, they're supposed to be sexy. Like it's baked into the idea of it yeah. is like, these are 12 sexy firefighters or these are 12 sexy bikini models or whatever. So like to do it in that format is to be like, no, oh, these are 12 sexy yeah. people. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I mean, you, you, the 12 sexy firefighters calendar. I mean, if you, I, I, I haven't probably seen one of those in like a decade. Yeah, yeah, my yeah, aunt yeah, used to buy them. Like, yeah. That's all I know. My aunt always had one. Um, but I, you know, I haven't seen one in a long time, but there's sort of like a certain narrative of the kind of firefighter who's going to be in that. And he's, he's going to be tall and he's going to be really fit. He's not going to be fat. He's not going to be hairy. You know, he's yeah. not going to um, have a physical disability. Right. Like he's going to, he's going to look a certain way Yeah, and he's going to, you know, and, and, uh, and he's going to be cisgendered. And it's like, there are all these assumptions about what 
sexy is and what's hot and like same thing with most you know adult magazines or calendars or um you know what is it centerfold you know there's like a certain type of body that you expect to see um and usually white as well and like there is some like racial diversity but overwhelmingly it's like white thin women Mm -hmm. uh, white thin cis women right who are able-bodied and so to sort of flip the narrative on that and to showcase sexiness and like a diverse sexiness and a realistic sexiness because most of us don't look like those firefighters right you know yeah (laughs) yeah yeah i love that um are you not doing it anymore Uh, i wanted to do it this year but i have been just so overwhelmed. I have been active in um, the Fairy Creek blockade that's happening here in British Columbia, which is a, um, a, a basically like a, a protest, uh, an ongoing blockade to protect old growth forests uh, uh, that are at risk of deforestation and clear cutting. So I've been involved in that and sort of on the front lines there as much as I could um, during the summer. Obviously, haven't been there as much in the winter yeah. because yeah. health problems and it's it's a very intense it's 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 yeah it's a very intense environment um and i'm raising a puppy who is now eight months old and i am in agility with her like three times a week and (laughs) and, yeah and like dog obedience classes and recall workshops and like i chose the most the most puppy that just needs so much for me is she training you are you training her Oh my gosh. Like, I don't even know. I don't even know. <laughs> she is, she's draining my wallet. She's a border collie, pure border collie. Beautiful. Yeah. I really made a decision there. I really chose that. So I chose yeah. that for myself. I chose that for myself. I have no one to blame but myself. I love her. She's so cute, but yeah, she doesn't stop. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's kind of my main focus. And, uh, and I am doing other, advocacy work I'm trying to do as much writing as I can but also dealing with my own um health which I'm, I'm dealing with some other um health problems and uh seeing specialists and getting diagnosed and, and getting some answers there so that's kind of my focus right now um especially because as much as I loved doing the calendar and I do want to do it again hopefully next year um it takes up a lot of time a lot of energy a lot of resources and I make zero dollars from it yeah um and i end up donating all of the profits and if there aren't enough profits i just donate you know my own money yeah. in lieu of the profits <laughs> yeah. because i i want i still want to be able to make a donation yeah. mm-hmm. um so yeah it's it's definitely a passion project um and i think it has started some good conversations and i, I do want to do it again but maybe maybe in partnership with someone yeah. who could help me with that yeah that makes sense yeah yeah well, it's on the topic of writing. If you ever want to come write for our platform, Sex Work CEO, where the, we host a podcast that you're, this episode will be airing on. Um, you want to yeah. For us. We would love. <laughs> I would love to. I would love to. <laughs> for sure. Some new lenses. That would be fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I would love to do that. Awesome. Um, is there anything that you feel like we didn't ask you about that was relevant to this conversation? No, I mean, I can't think of anything now. I'll probably think of something as soon as we yeah. turn off the camera, because <laughs> that's always how it goes. Yeah. Um, but if there's anything else you want to talk about, I still have a few minutes. Or yeah, um, okay. I think it's good. Yeah, 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 we have a lot of good stuff. I so, like that we ended on puppy. I know. <laughs> oh, yes. I know. I'm sorry. She isn't here to show you. She's like, she's so kissy and like, oh, oh she would just be jumping up. And I'll send you a photo. Yeah, I'll send, send you a photo and email. Yeah. So where can people find you? So my website is goaskalex.com. Um, 
that was expensive domain. So <laughs> please check it out. <laughs> um, and my OnlyFans is um, OnlyFans.com slash GoAskAlex. As long as we're still on the OnlyFans platform, yeah. as long as we're still allowed to be, I'll be there. Uh, then social media is GoAskAlex online. And that's on Instagram and Twitter. You can find me there. Great. It was so nice to talk to you. Yeah, it's nice meeting you. It was so good to catch up with you. I mean, sort of, but it's nice to meet you. And I hope we can catch up. And if people sometime. want to see Alex and I go to the prom, Yes, if you want to see us go to well, we didn't really end up going no, to the we prom. Really we had our own party, didn't we? Yeah, that's so fun. Yeah, we had more fun in the hotel room. We had way more yes. fun. Yeah. While PJ like fiddled with the lights, oh my gosh. and sounds for an hour. Anyone who knows PJ is going to be like, yes, that's what happened. PJ is the reason this podcast looks so much better at the second half of the season. For those, who yeah, think. there was about ten minutes of filming and about an hour of moving the softboxes around. You're like perched up on the counter. You're like, wait, how long do I have to sit in this position? And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm like oh, my, my tailbone. <laughs> It was great. It was worth it. Was it. it looks great. <laughs> it, looks, it looks well lit. Well lit. <laughs> it looks very well lit. I will say that. It looks very well lit. Good job. Okay. All right. Well, it was fun to talk to you. Yeah. Yes. Hopefully we can meet in person and catch up soon. Yep. Sounds great. Body by Bloods is a performer and advocate from Dallas, Texas. They were featured last year in Hustler Magazine, highlighting disabled sex workers and included in Goas Alex's disabled sex worker calendar for the month of April. They believe in decriminalization, bottom-up support, and that sex workers' lives are important and their voices should always be amplified. Welcome to the show, Body by Bloods. It's nice to finally meet you. Personally, I know you met Jesse before, but it's great to have you on. Um, for the people who are viewing or listening into this or who might be less familiar, can you introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Body by Blunts, and you can call me any of them. Body, mix, <laughs> blunts, you know, if you're nasty. <laughs> I use they, them pronouns. I am an activist and a sex worker and have been for over 10 years. Uh, emphasis on the sex worker part. I'm a disabled sex worker and neurodivergent, and it's very important to me to live in these spaces with lots of folks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that we've been talking about over the taping of this show is how, um, how interconnected like disability and neurodivergence and sex work is. Yeah. And I was wondering if you wanted to like speak a little bit to that, because obviously, I mean, ob obvious to us because we're within like sex work, like um, folks with disabilities and neurodivergencies are totally overrepresented in sex work yeah. um, as opposed to straight jobs. Mm -hmm. So can you talk a little bit about that and why that would be the case? Sure. Yeah. When I first started out doing sex work, it was definitely 100% survival thing. I needed to get out of a bad situation. But later on, when I still need to, needed an income that would work with what I had going on, trying to manage your day, especially being neurodivergent and trying to do other jobs is not always possible, especially if you don't have access to healthcare yeah. mm -hmm. or mental health care. Mm -hmm. You know, there's certain things that you're just not going to be able to find as um, simplistic as somebody who wasn't neurodivergent or wasn't mm -hmm. disabled. Mm -hmm. And what sex work offered for me personally was a means in which to make money without having to um, compromise my boundaries on my own like medical needs at yeah. the time. Mm -hmm. 
and especially so now. Yeah. 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 Is it like, because it's flexible and you can do it when you are able to do it around your sort of medical needs? Is Mm -hmm. that what you mean by that? Absolutely. Yeah. The flexibility of sex work in all forms or facets, Mm -hmm. because you're running a small business and that business is you. If you're not feeling well, if you're having a flare, you know, Mm -hmm. if you've had a migraine for a whole day, in any other type of job situation, you would have to ask permission to take time off, yeah. hope that you have sick time, possibly lose a gig job if that's what kind of work you're doing is gig work and possibly strain or lose a relationship because of it or cost you money down the way. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not to say that that won't ever happen with sex work and having obligations that you can't meet, but it allows you a gateway. Well, if this place isn't working, I'm going to try this other avenue. So you have mm-hmm. options within the same professional set of of yeah. jobs, of occupations. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. How do you think that it's like different for folks with like um, physical disabilities um, within sex work as opposed to like neurodivergencies mm-hmm. or um, mental health issues or the other sorts of reasons that this flexible employment is desirable? I'm uh, I'm a person who uses a mobility device to get around. I use a rollator, which is basically like a, a walker with wheels on it. It's got like a seat. Mm-hmm. And I use that or a cane to get around. That's mm-hmm. what I use to move around in the world. Now, when you're trying to get employment, it's it's almost like it doesn't matter what you did prior. If you're overqualified, if you're exactly qualified, mm-hmm. they see that mobility device. And though by Title IX rules, they can't discriminate against you directly but they could just not give you the job for no reason that's a thing that they can do and being disabled and discriminated against it's hard to prove especially in a state where i live like texas is an at-will fire state Mm -hmm. if they feel like you are taking up too much of their labor or time because you're calling out for a flare or something like that they'll just cut you period i think pennsylvania is too yeah. yeah, something that stands out about that to me is um, we had this conversation similarly on another one of our episodes where it came to the labor force where it's like, yeah, technically by legal standards, you can't discriminate against me or for any reason, mm-hmm. essentially, but it still happens. And that was in regard to like race and gender, of course. But the fact that it happens in terms of, you know, health reasons, especially if you have a very visible disability, mm-hmm. I don't think people understand that. Because they just assume you can't be discriminated against because it's not allowed. Whereas, like, well, people could just not say why they're doing it and it still happens. Right. So I feel yeah. like that's very overlooked. So I'm glad yeah. we're highlighting that for sure. Yeah, I think you have to be a very privileged person to say, well, there's laws against that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't mean jack shit when somebody, like, just doesn't want to offer you a job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly, because those people just need to write you a check at that point. Just like write me a check. Don't tell me something like that. Like yeah. it's not helpful or kind. <laughs> yeah, to me. <laughs> write me a yeah, check. Yeah, I remember. I mean, this is a different situation. But when I first moved to Pennsylvania, I was looking for a job. This was years ago, fifteen years ago, and I had two little kids at the time. And I went into a job interview at a bank, and the person who was interviewing me said. Um, you know, do you have kids? And I said, yes. And he said, well, this is a very demanding job. I don't think a mom would be able to do this. And he didn't give me the job. And I left and I went home and I told my husband at the time that he had said that and some other people. And they were like, well, he can't do that. That's illegal. And I was like, 
he just did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It happened. (laughs) Doesn't matter if he's not allowed to ask. He did. And I don't have a job. So the fact that he's not allowed to do that doesn't change anything. Mm -hmm. Like, I still don't have a job. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) exactly. And it's like, would you want it? after that it's like no why would i want to work for this person who clearly wanted to manipulate me into not taking it in the first place yeah right yeah yeah Yeah. so i think there's like um despite like any sort of like anti-discrimination laws there's obviously still those there there's there's what we have on paper and then there's the reality of like people's lived experiences and the um i think one of the things that you brought up you know in sex work you don't have a boss like you don't ask Mm -hmm. anyone to take time off um you just don't work if you don't want to or you can't or whatever um with uh when you're disabled especially visibly disabled you either have to make you have to make a choice you have to decide i am going to allow my mobility devices to be in the content that i shoot or i'm going to try to hide it Mm-hmm. And honestly, I understand both sides. There's no wrong answer to that. It's about whatever work you're trying to do and what's going to keep you safe. And currently in my life, it's okay for me to be out as disabled, whereas previously it wasn't safe for mm-hmm. me to say say that kind of thing on the internet anywhere, because I don't know who would take advantage of that and take advantage of me and put me in harm's way. Mm-hmm. But even for people who are trying to help disabled performers and content creators, honestly, uh, making more opportunities for us to shoot because everybody that we see reflected back is, you know, they they look the same or yeah. they, they definitely don't have mobility devices or mm-hmm. something that would... Um, you know, they can quote unquote, you know, the, the idea of passing or not passing, yeah, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like if I walk down the street, people know I'm disabled and I don't have a choice about that thing. You know, that's, that's going to happen. And whereas someone who might have an invisible disorder or something that is hidden mm-hmm. under clothing or like is a, a, mental, a, health. a yeah. mental health. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And then how do you navigate that? And, and it's just the different layers of privilege as that, as that works, especially in a, in a business like we're in yeah. where it's where we're visual, you know, visually people want, want something to grab onto. And though I've made the choice to be okay, if my mobility devices are in or around places, I, I have to try hard not to make that another point of fetish, fetish, fetishization oh, for other people too. Yeah. yeah. Because sometimes like when you go to, um, like any of the porn clip sites, like the, the ethical porn clip sites and type in the world word disabled, you might find some disabled performers, but you might also find people that are fetishizing it for dollar mm-hmm. amounts because wow. there are people looking for a particular kind of thing. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting too. The part that you said about like platforms and like kind of things on platforms and how you don't see these disabled sex workers aren't the people that we see. Like I've never ever gone to a platform's homepage and seen a visible like disabled sex worker is like front and center, you know, like, and that's a problem in many segments of sex work for many communities and marginalized mm-hmm. uh, people. But that disabled and like I'm trying to think of my own personal, you know, small experience, but like I've never gone to a platform's homepage and visibly seen a disabled sex worker. Like, mm-hmm. why has that not happened? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. I always I, I think about often when people are saying like, oh, well, um, 
BBWs or like whatever these categories are, are like the top search terms as if that means that like those people are getting like a lot of traffic. And I'm like, well, yeah, they're searched more because they're not there. (laughs) Yeah. Like, well, you know, too, you yeah. don't like go in and search like thin white woman um, because <laughs> we're right there because they're there, yeah. you know. And so I think that like that often gets the stories about these things often the way that they're told. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, perspective. Yeah. It, it yeah. obscures like what's actually going on, which is that like these are these are identities that are that are hidden that are not platformed Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we talk about like and like the bigger discussion about like meta tags and category tags and how they work and like you can tell how great your privilege is by how little tags that you might be under kind of Mm -hmm. thing Mm -hmm. and it's like i'm several and it just makes me feel some kind of way because it's it's if i don't use the tags that they want me to use no one will find me yeah. If yeah. I do now I've given in to their tagging system because this is what I must I must do. Right. Yeah. yeah. And if you're so many, then it becomes, you know, in many bids, for example, you can only pick five things. So mm-hmm. what if you pick black and disabled and like, you know, and you go down and now you're like, wait, but the content itself, I don't have any more tags left. Yeah. <laughs> to describe what's actually taking place. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When it should be action based or performer based tags those Mm -hmm. totally make sense to me like if you're looking for a particular performer fine you know that makes total sense like people work really hard on their online like social media game and it makes sense to like have their name as a meta tag that should be able to be easily found and then after that activity would make them the next most sense or what type of scene like but not necessarily somebody's race as the descriptor yeah, for what right, kind of yeah. scene it is or yeah, that right. we're having a disabled gangbang. It's like no one wants to see the words disabled gangbang. They're just like, ooh, Body by Blunts is doing a gangbang. Awesome. I would yeah. like to watch that. Yeah. Like, that's a yeah. very different yeah. optics <laughs> conversation. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, that's all like, I, uh, yeah, I Even, think that's all like very complicated. It's very complicated too, but then also, like, I, I had this discussion with um, a DMCA company because we were talking about the removal of pirated content. And I was talking about, like, how my logic when I was younger and when I first got into adult was very much like everything stolen is free advertising. It's watermarked. Like, I can't I can't really stop it. So I'm just going to make the best of this situation in my small young brain. Um, but then what came what they told me was that, like, you got to realize you're being reduced to however people want to label you in your content. They're not putting Melrose Michaels doing X. <laughs> They're putting redhead, white girl, big boobs, like whatever the thing is. And I was yeah. like, oh, that's right. So it's, it's not branding me. It's not advertising. Like, it's just pirated content. <laughs> like, so when you really think about what's happening, it's like, oh, OK, major paradigm shift. Got it. Yeah. Losing half Job. my business. Piracy. <laughs> Understood. <laughs> Understood. Yeah. 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 Um, so actually, like, I want to talk about like mobility devices. Mm-hmm. And you said that now you're in a place in which you like feel comfortable um, both being like uh, um, talking about uh, how that impacts you in your life, but also like showing that in your work. Do you um, how have like people responded to that? The people that were already kind of like I have a very I don't have a big following. You know, I don't consider myself somebody necessarily on the internet but the people who have been following my content they some of them went away but some of them stayed and they were appreciative and then new people who heard about me through other things 
were like, oh, I heard that you're a disabled sex worker and I'm also disabled and I want to see other hot disabled people fucking. And I'm like, I would too. (laughs) (laughs) Right to your local senator. Like, I don't. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. It's so interesting because I feel like there's. that's one of the like beautiful things that I think about indie porn that like mm-hmm. we is, is that people can see people like themselves. Yes. Um, you know, like you're saying that your fans be like, I want to see more disabled people mm-hmm. who like maybe look like me or have things going on like me who have a sex life that looks exciting yes. that I want to watch, you know, yes. <laughs> that I want to also have in my life. And, um, you know, it's frustrating that like, it's so hard to like, so much harder to like build a build a following and find and Mm -hmm. get your stuff out so that the people who want to see that can see it. But um, yeah, I don't know. Like, do you feel like, um, yeah, I mean, it sounds like the, the fan base that you've built has been like really supportive and that's been rooted in you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's really nice because like my, you know, we all have like career goals or like things that we want to do like in our career. And like for me, they're like something I've been dreaming about since I was like 13. But it's not like something I have to do or I'll go in the ground unhappy or something. Mm-hmm. You know, it's nice to be able to um, be more of myself a little bit and less relying on like, because when you're doing other kinds of sex work, you're so pigeonholed to a persona that you have to stick to. And if you change or shimmy one way or the other, you're, you could lose everything very quickly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a very mm-hmm. fragile ecosystem and going to something like, cause now all I do is filming where it's not such a fragile ecosystem. And I have more freedom to wear things that I might like, especially doing photo shoots. Mm-hmm. I actually have more creative control. I get something that looks more like myself in my own brain and not necessarily trying to tailor myself to a specific demographic of people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like um, how has sex work? Um, how has it um impacted your relationship to your own body honestly in the beginning i was i was so young i was you know i was in my teens Mm -hmm. and you know when you're in your late teens to early 20s the the feelings we have about ourselves especially being around other people that are also in that same age group Mm -hmm. i was i still am super introverted and i came from, you know, having three friends in high school and I didn't, you know, I just wanted to, wanted to make friends and, you know, do that kind of thing. And I didn't really know what to make of how my body was changing at that point. Um, but I didn't know how to average, like, I didn't know enough about myself to really take the pictures I wanted to take or film the way I wanted to film or cam the way I really wanted to, because I was so concerned about hiding aspects of my body that I thought other people wouldn't like, not that I didn't like, but because I wanted to make this a situation like, Oh, I'm going to hide this here and hide that there. Mm -hmm. And Oh no, what if they realize this boob is bigger than that boob? I need to like kind of slightly turn. And then, you know, that kind of thing. Like I've, I've contrived my own like being and for what, and as I got older and continue doing more work and more work on myself and self inventory, 
I realized that I didn't give a fuck about it anymore. Mm-hmm. And that I really did. I was like, I have a hot body. I don't know why I'm hiding it for these people who are barely entertain it anyway (laughs) you do have a hot body i remember you you sending pictures (laughs) (laughs) thank you anyways it was really really fun to talk to you um where can people find you people can find me on twitter and that's body x blunts for my not safe for work twitter or body by blunts for my safe for work twitter that is clever very clever Thank I you. like your marketing. <laughs> See what's going on there. I thought uh, of it all by myself. It's good. Yeah, it's you good. crushed it. <laughs> there you go. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It was so nice to meet you. And nice to see you again, Jesse. Honey Daniels is a 29-year-old autistic disabled femme. They work as a professional submissive for hire and run a fetish print shop called Slug Baby Wears. Welcome, honey, to the podcast. We're super excited to have you. you. I'm excited to be here. So uh, the last time I saw you, um, (laughs) the last time I saw you, uh, PJ spanked you for a fair amount of time. And then you taught me how to use a Hitachi. And you didn't like it. I've never done again. Did it catch fire? Because I've heard so many horror stories about Hitachi's catching fire. I know so many people that has happened to, but it didn't. It did not catch fire. It just no, nothing was fire. I was just like, why do people like this? And I tried so hard to like it, and I was like, I don't get it. My brain can't process this. And then I was like, I think I had an orgasm. <laughs> but did I? But did I? Because like my body's can like contracting, but I don't know that I like it. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it like it it like happens so fast because your body's like, oh, there's there's more stimulation. I gotta keep going. Yeah. But I was like, wait, that was an involuntary orgasm. <laughs> but to be to be honest, though, for me, I like if I can't calm in thirty seconds, sometimes I like don't want to do it. I know. So, I do it. Like you know. <laughs> Get on with this. <laughs> it's like I need I need just like a splash of dopamine and then I need to continue <laughs> on with my day. But for the Hitachi, if you're not paying close attention, like you will miss it. Like, Absolutely. Like, Wait a minute. <laughs> and you ha- and if you don't want to come in 30 seconds, you have to like you have to be on it. Because you know, like, one second too long, you're like, ah, goddamn. Yeah, it got me. Because <laughs> we were um, we were at AVN and we were like, let's make some clips. Let's make some like fetish clips. So yeah. we did like a spanky one, and then we and I was like, I've never used a Hitachi, and Honey's Which like, really? Blew my we mind. have to do this. And then I was like, okay, let's go. And then like the video's on, and I'm trying to like. And oh, I'm the like, first time was on camera. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. no. It's on mini vids for anyone who wants to see this. <laughs> I'm gonna buy that clip later. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I think I like this. No, I don't think I like this. And then we finished, and the camera, um, we you know, cam- scene over, and then Honey's like. That was the most wholesome scene that I've ever. <laughs> it, it really was because we were just like shooting the shit before we even got to it. I'm like lying down, honey's like between my legs with the wand, and is like now here, and I was like, mm. <laughs> that's great. Anyways, for people who want to see this, it's on mini vids. Um, but <laughs> for people who want to know about you, yes. uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh man. 
<laughs> what <laughs> autism and trying to talk about yourself. Um, <laughs> I am 29. I live in Pennsylvania. I've been a sex worker for nine years, which when I think about that, holy frick. Um, <laughs> it's a long time, yeah. It's so long. And I, I mean, I've done an Alzheimer's in this industry because people like disappear so fast. Yeah. They do. And I feel like people also like, they're like, oh, I'm done with camming. Therefore, I'm done with sex work forever. And yeah. I was done with camming, but I was like, this is my job. I'm going to yeah. figure out what I'm doing. So I had, I was a cam model for five years, which in cam modeling is also a long time to stick around. <laughs> yeah. uh, that was very fun. I, I am just too autistic for that. <laughs> like it just, mm-hmm. it requires so much. Yeah. Um, I have been doing professional sub work and, um, girlfriend experience type stuff which like I don't really like that word uh yeah I don't really like that term because I think it has like a connotation attached yeah. to it yeah uh but I you know I I'm a girlfriend for hire yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. tell us a little bit about like I professional stuff yeah so I yes. want to hear about why like <laughs> autism like is why it's easier for you to jo- do your job as an in-person person, as an in-person worker. I mean, it is for me as well. So I'm curious yeah. why you think that. But I first want to know about like professional submission yeah, because we, we don't hear that. Or talk to somebody. I, I don't are. really know that many people either, unless they're working in uh, like established dungeons and they're like mm-hmm. a house sub, which is not what I do. Um, basically, as a professional submissive, because I, I mean, we all know there are professional dominance, like (laughs) everywhere. Um, (laughs) That is not me. I am not a dominant person. Like I am a sub bottom, like to my core. (laughs) Um, And I think there's a lot of people, especially with wanting to take on a dominant role, people who have never participated in kink or people who have never um, like had a solid play partner or something, you know, Mm -hmm. kink is one of those things that you can't just read a book. You can't just do research and you're good at it. It's a hands-on thing. You have to be in the, so as a professional submissive, I essentially offer uh, my services to people that either want more experience, topping, uh, dominating Mm -hmm. people, people who want um, like a very specific, scene that maybe Um, they don't have a play partner to fulfill uh I also I view it as a bit of like uh like hands-on teaching not everybody has the opportunity to meet somebody and just be like okay well can we try this can we do this and some things like I said I think they take practice so I offer myself as a person who is open to ideas open to doing things I obviously have my boundaries that I keep. Yeah. Um, but it can be, I think, especially for like domination, it can be very scary for people to step into that role because there's so many societal ideas that yeah. the things you want in that role are bad, mean, abusive. And so it's, I think it's helpful to give people a frame of mind where it's like, I like this stuff. Mm-hmm. And if you want to try it out, I'm somebody who enjoys it. You do not have to worry that I'm faking yeah. doing yeah. this for you or that I'm going to call you the next day and be like, you know what? I actually was really uncomfortable with that. 
Yeah. You know, because mm-hmm. I have a situation where I'm very easily able to set boundaries. Um, I don't put myself in situations where those boundaries are easily crossed. Um, and I just like, it's fun. I think it's fun yeah. because there's, if you want to sub for somebody, there's so many opportunities, but if you're looking for more experience topping a person, like there's not, there's not as many people out there offering that service. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about like, um, so you brought this up, the fact that like you, um, are, you have disabilities, like mm-hmm. how has this impacted your work and how does it, um, and how does like sex work lend itself to yeah. being a disabled person? So it's funny because I feel like the way it lends itself are also the ways that are difficult. Um, obviously it lends itself to being disabled. I make my own schedule. I decide all of that. And people, people love to say that in sex work, like, Oh, so freeing you're your own boss and all that. But I don't think people really understand what being your own boss entails. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it actually is a lot of work. Yeah. Um, if I don't work that day, if I don't feel up to it, there's nobody else making the money. Like yeah. that's, mm-hmm. that's it. And with disability, that's very hard because there are obviously days that I can't push through. I can't yeah. show up and that can be really hard in this industry because there's so much emphasis on like, just work harder, just show yeah. up, just be yeah. doing it. And it's like, well, there are so many of us that can't. Like that, like hard stop can't. I yeah. see threads of people like um, established sex workers giving advice to like newbies and they're saying like, yeah, that's shit. how I feel about it because they're saying like, you need to set a schedule. You need to be consistent. You need to do this. You need to do that. And I'm like, actually, like I, I, I'm not disabled, but I got into this industry because I'm a mom of three kids. I have a lot of things going on. Like I can't work all the time. If I could work all the time, I would have a job or I'd I could a, work I'd all have, the time. I'd have a salaried <laughs> yeah. job. Like, right. I would have some benefits and I wouldn't deal with all of this like horphobic bullshit, you know, yeah. but like, that's not the world that I live in. So, but I'm also, I'm on that flip side of that where I'm like, I approach it very much like that. Like I approach yeah. it, my sex work, cause I'm most, I'm digital, but I am very structured and I'm very like, I treat yeah. it like a corporation and that's how I've succeeded. But I, it's, I, your life it's like it's how what how sex work serves you yeah as opposed to you know and i i think that it's like good if you could do that that's awesome but i think there are a lot of people for whom like the reason they're in sex work is not that is because they need they can't do that yeah exactly and i feel like those threads where people are you know even the like the engagement groups or the groups Mm -hmm. that you pay to get advice for stuff i feel like I personally feel like it's a little predatory because Mm -hmm. what works for you, like, and I have been hearing this since I started sex work. It's completely insane to me that nine years later, it's still the commentary. (laughs) It's like what works for you is never going to work for somebody else. Right. And what works for you is like 50% luck. Yeah. And people, people making money, good money. They never want to admit that. They never want to admit that sometimes it's pure freaking luck. You just happen to be online at this time. You just happen to be mm-hmm. the tweet that somebody scrolled past and people want to act like that luck is based on mm-hmm. their hard work, which yeah. then is sort of like a dig at people like me who I am working 
to my absolute hardest. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I'm not an able-bodied neurotypical person. So like what you view as work harder, be set a schedule, do all this, like that is actually inaccessible to me. Yeah. It's like Mm -hmm. somebody telling someone in a wheelchair, like, oh, there are only three steps. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, okay. I'm like, cool. I still can't walk up them. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, I definitely experienced that in in in-person work where people are seeing neurotypical, able-bodied people and they have an idea of how this is going to go. And that doesn't work for me. Um, online work did work for me for a while, but it, it sort of shifted into this thing where you have to be working 24 hours a day. Yeah. And so, it wasn't like that when I first started. I, see, I, I came from cam as well. And for me, I've, I'm hyper competitive. Like I overwork to the core. That's how, that's my identity. But <laughs> when I was in cam, especially it was, it was so, competitive that I felt I I was very self-isolated. I Mm -hmm. got very depressed, um, developed a lot of disorders behavior. But a lot of it was like, if I'm not online all the time, someone else is making the money they would be tipping me. And it's just this endless rat race of like, I'm not good enough. I'm not doing enough. I should be online. Why aren't I online? Because people people put that out there that like, I'm successful because I'm working. And so it makes everybody else feel like, oh, well, I'm not successful. I need to be working harder. I need to be doing more. And that is just going to lead everybody to burnout. I was wondering that um, because me and Jesse were talking before we got on for the podcast too. And I was like, I wonder because it's so interesting. You went from digital to full service. Like having autism, how do those social interactions, like how does that change? Because I'm so curious. Online, It's so, so like, it's such a different animal being online than being in person. Yeah. It's true. Um, I feel like there are... There are, bene- there are pros and cons. Uh, the the interaction from going online to full service, it, it honestly isn't that different for me because mm. one thing about me is um, I don't – like a lot of my persona, a lot of that is actually me because I'm, I'm not that good at masking. I am not that good at lying. I Oh, my gosh. I totally just admire people that create an entirely fake persona. Yeah. I'm like incapable of doing that. I, I can't tried. do it at all. <laughs> I, I tried. I'm sweeter. People think I'm so sweet. I'm like, I got you a fault. <laughs> so like so much of who I was on cam was actually me just being me. And I kind of just shift that into in-person work where like, yeah. and I really try to be authentic in interactions and the way I brand myself because I never want someone to meet me and be like, you yeah. are weird. <laughs> you are a weird person. So I kind of just try to like let my freak flag fly. And I'm very open about being autistic and being disabled because one, because I want people to be comfortable around that when I show up yeah, with my cane, right. which I have other providers that are like, you bring your cane to, to appointments. I'm like, yeah, because they needed to walk. <laughs> you know? like, How do you think I get there? <laughs> and don't get me wrong. There was a long time I wouldn't use the cane because I was like, I don't want people to see me with this. I don't want. And as a femme, you know, I don't want this to detract from my desirability. And I've really just tried to work in the fact that like, this is who I am. Like, this is who this is who you're hiring. This is who you're booking because you're going to meet me 
and I'm going to be this. (laughs) I am going to info dump. I am going to be weird. I'm going to make weird noises. I, you know, I have to have music playing during appointments because I, there's just so many sensory aspects of an appointment that I need to have a handle on. And I just, I always want to be authentic in that. And because it also makes other people who are disabled, autistic, who maybe feel like I'm too weird to book a provider. Like I'm too nervous. I want them to know that like, we're not all like vixens, you know, we're not all like some, I am, I am a weird person and I can't get on top. Like I am, I am not your typical (laughs) provider. Do you you have any clients that uh, are disabled? I do. I do. I have several clients that are disabled. Unfortunately, because of my own disabilities, there are certain people with disabilities I can't see because they do need somebody that can do more of the work. And that unfortunately is not me. And I never like telling them that it can't be me because people feel comfortable with the way I present myself, but I do have other disabled clients. Um, and it's, it's very nice because I, you know, one of my longest term clients who I freaking adore, there'll be times where I'm pulling up on the bus to New York and I'm like, I am so sick. I feel like shit. I need to eat as soon as I get there. Like we'll get to whatever we're going to get to, but like, I need to eat. We need to chill out. I maybe need yeah. to smoke a little bit. Yeah. And he's Would always like, that's cool. <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, like I have health issues that are not one, two days, you know, they're either lifelong, months long, weeks long. And sometimes they interfere with my booking. So it's nice to have other disabled clients to be like, Hey, can we maybe do this another day? Can we, can we maybe shift our expectations of what's going to happen today because of this? And it's very nice to have them be supportive. Not everyone is supportive. I'm going to be honest. It's not all shiny rainbows. Some people are not nice, but for the most part, it's pretty good. Uh, I would say more than half of my clients are autistic. Wow. So there are so many of us. There are so many of us. And it's like, once you're diagnosed, I feel like, I mean, obviously it's hard not to project onto people when you like, you see yourself in their actions. You want to be like, "Mm." (laughs) (laughs) but there so many people are autistic, especially because the spectrum, the spectrum is wide, you know, not every, not everybody is. I mean, I'm obviously not the typical idea of what an autistic person is. I'm sure there are many people that would say, because I can sit here and do this interview with you, that that makes me like not autistic. Right, right. But there's so many people out there. (laughs) Yeah, and I feel like one of the things that, like, it's interesting because we're talking to you about, like, how being a sex, like, how being a sex worker is accessible to you as an autistic person. I also feel like there's a lot of ways in which, like, the service of sex work is, like, um, really great for autistic clients too because a lot of them are coming like my um experience is that a lot of them are coming for like different reasons than what the like neurotypical clients are coming for Mm -hmm. and they're like more like I'm trying to figure out how to like have this sort of interaction so that I could take it somewhere Mm -hmm. else or you know like um like a lot of the um you know the 
what you're talking about with your pro submission work is really similar, I think, because you have people who are coming to you who are like, I want to experience this. I want to learn about this. Education. And it's yeah. it's like a more it takes on this role of like it's it's half sex work in the way that we think of it and half like sex education. Too. Absolutely. And I mean, yeah. not, not everybody is going to run their business that way. Don't like, yeah, I yeah. completely right, respect sure. people who are like, I am here to get the job done and out. I am not here for any emotional support yeah. at, at all. And yeah. you know what? Cool. Like that. Yeah. But like you're said, like there are a lot of people who come to me who are, and I, I personally am one of these people. Like I have sex workers that I've hired some that I would like yeah. to hire, because there's things I want to experience. And as an autistic person, I am very scared to do mm-hmm. them for the first time and do it wrong. Yeah. Have somebody like look at me and know that I'm doing it wrong. There's so much fear about yeah. being wrong about it, like not doing it right. And the other pe- the other person will know. They'll know you're not doing it right and or you'll make it bad in some way. And sometimes you just need like hands-on experience. I personally right now... I'm seeking out a sex worker to um, like give me hands on in person, um, like anal with a strap on experience because so many people want that. I have never done that. I'm not about to try Mm. it out for the first time on a client. Right. I want to know what it looks like. I want to know what it's supposed to like sound like. I want to know like what what I need to Mm. see with my eyes and like, I love classes where people teach stuff, but nobody is putting a dick in an ass in, yeah. in, in, a, in a class, you know, they're like yeah. teaching you how to spank and stuff. And that's great. Yeah. But for a lot of people, you need to see it in person yeah. happening in mm-hmm. front of you. And that, I mean, that goes for so many things in my life. I've always been a learner like that. Yeah. So where can people find you and your work? Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter. Um, Twitter, I'm Honey Daniels. Instagram, I'm Little Honey Pot. Um, <laughs> I also, I have a print shop that's sort of like sex work adjacent. It's mainly like kink, uh, mm-hmm. fetish focused. That is Slug Baby Wears. You can also find me on Instagram under that, which I think is fun because I, I really think it's great work to like put in an end call if that's the kind of work you do or, you know, yeah. when you're in your mm-hmm. cam space, it's like, it's sexy art. It's fun. Yeah. PJ uh, just bought something from you. <gasps> yeah. I saw it. He showed me a, a print. Yeah. Oh so He's putting it up in his office. Yeah. <laughs> that's so exciting. <laughs> yeah. I love that because I, I think it's fun. It's like, it's, I yeah. don't see a lot of like sex work work that yeah. isn't like political. Yeah. And you, yeah. you don't always want like political sex work art. You know, sometimes right. you just want people like, Flashing, flashy. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you, so thank you for having me. This is a really important issue to me, and um, part of it is because, like, disability itself has touched me so like closely. Um, um, in terms of like having kids with disabilities, and then also having a husband who was like very, very sick. Um, and the fact that like sex work for me was the only way that I like, um, knew how to like survive financially, but also take care of the people in my life that needed to be taken care of. And while I can't claim like a disability, I can, um, 
say that like disability has like impacted my life and sex work is the thing that made my life like manageable and possible. So I, I have so much love for like disabled sex workers and such like an innate understanding of like why this industry is a place that you can thrive uh, that you can survive and survive yeah i think the one piece i I would love for you to elaborate on this because of your experience uh with disability and sex work specifically was that you had the sex work community really come to your aid in those moments and help you guys which from a lot of communities and i i maybe i shouldn't Mm -hmm. be saying this but like a lot of communities claim that that is a part of their you know code of conduct or their ethics or their what is supposed to be happening but you don't really see it Yeah, I mean, I should say that, like, so um, for those of you who don't know my story, like, my husband had testicular cancer twice. um, And the second time that he had it, it was very, it was a very long and drawn out thing, many months of chemo, a really intense surgery where he was hospitalized for a long period of time. Um, And, um, and we also have three kids. So Mm -hmm. like juggling three kids and like his illness, it meant that I was the only provider Um, I had a sick husband and I was also taking care of three kids. And one of our friends who is somebody, an industry friend, um, right when he was re-diagnosed with cancer, without even asking us, like set up a GoFundMe for us and just started like disseminating it. We didn't ask for that. It wasn't something we asked for. And the community raised $7,000 so that like I didn't have to work for the period, for the months where it was really particularly bad. Yeah. Um, and the, and it wasn't just, it wasn't just the community. I want to also emphasize mm. the fact that it was, I mean, it was the community, but I want to emphasize the fact that it was both, um, other sex workers was brought up, made up the majority of it, but as other sex workers, it was my like porn fans. Mm. It was my phone sex clients and it was peep show podcast fans. And so it was like a mixture of fans and colleagues and other sex workers who like decided to like that, that valued us enough or understood what we were going through enough to be like, just don't work. Like we got you. Um, and there's something about, um, sex work that I've seen that over and over again. And I know that like, because I had that experience, um, whenever I see other sex workers who are going through something similar, it's interesting. Uh, uh, another sex worker recently, um, said that she has cancer and is going through treatment. And I said to her like, Hey, can I send you some money? And she's like, well, I'm not really collecting, um, money for that. Um, and I was like, well, but, I know there's going to be times that you're not going to have to work and I want to pay it forward because other people held us up. And it's not a, it's not a handout. It's I am paying this forward because other sex workers gave me money when I needed it. And she's like, Oh, okay, well then yeah, Yeah. um, that I want to participate in that then. And, you know, hopefully, you know, when she gets through this, there's going to be a time when she's up and she gives money to other like sex workers who are struggling. And to me, like, PJ and I have often talked about this, that like we've never felt more held than we did by the sex work community when we were going through that. And there, I know that both of us will like forever feel grateful for that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that that kind of echoes what we should see more of in terms of like 
the commu- the sex work community as a whole could really rally and highlight disabled sex workers and mm-hmm. and like we've discussed some in some of the interviews like mm-hmm. make more content with the disabled sex workers make mm-hmm. them a part of the the norm in our yeah. community mm-hmm. so that they get the visibility that they need to mm-hmm. help thrive and survive in sex work yeah. in a more balanced kind of ecosystem because it, it's just not and that it's a very overrepresented part of sex workers yeah but it's also still hardly seen almost you know so I think we can do that as a community because we are so good at coming together when we we really want to right yeah and I think there's something about the the ebb and flow of sex work I think Mm -hmm. that um I I think there's a couple things I want to say there's something about the ebb and flow where like there are some months when I'm really high and there's Mm -hmm. some months when I'm not so high when I'm actually pretty low and that's true of like almost all the sex workers that I know and then also like Nobody else is helping us. Like there is nobody else. It's just us. And I think that we know that. Um, And that became especially true during the pandemic when sex workers were excluded from the small business, like um, loans that the government was giving out and everything. And then also like, because there's so, because there's so many people with disabilities, um, it seems like we're particularly situated to understand that um, we have to help each other. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I I struggled to find, I suppose, like a business takeaway from this episode Mm -hmm. for the fact that one, uh, I'm not, I'm, I'm not disabled. And also because I know that I am certainly someone who's put out content on business that hasn't spoken to Mm -hmm. disabled sex workers or neurodivergent sex workers. Mm -hmm. So my takeaway from this episode, and I know this is my, might not be a value to the listeners the way some of the other episodes will be in terms of business, Mm -hmm. but is that I really want to shift some focus on sex work CEO to speak to our intersectional, you know, sex work community, because that's definitely something I'm aware now has been missing. So this lesson's for me. (laughs) I mean, we all want to learn together. This is what we're talking about, like community, community, and we're a part of that community. And when we started this, like, we're not painting ourselves as like the experts no. on things you know like we're trying to have as many conver- if we thought we were the experts we would just talk to each other <laughs> like, <True. laughs> True. but we don't know everything so that's you know I'm really really grateful for the people who like are coming and teaching us things as mm-hmm. well so absolutely we yeah. hope you feel the same Thank you for joining us for another episode of On the Horizon, a podcast about what's on the horizon for sex workers and how to navigate it. I'm Jesse Sage, and you can find me on Twitter at sapiotextual and at jessiesage.com. And I am Melrose Michaels, and you can find me at Melrose Michaels on social and at melrosemichaels.com. Remember, if you want bonus footage from today's episode, you can always subscribe to us on Anchor for $9.99 a month to access all the footage we couldn't include on today's show. 